Well, Mike, we knew this day was coming. Ugh, what what is it now, Michael? More more layoffs, uh, the singularity. Okay, okay. We'll uh, we'll back up. Imagine it's the year 3000. One day you wake up and you ask your AI-enabled soul band wrist device to tune into a broadcast from the Supreme Court where lawyers are arguing the year's most anticipated case. An AI known as Beta 9, which specializes in security and space exploration, brought the motion demanding that it be deemed a person and given the rights that every American enjoys. That is a wild thing to think about, Michael. We're definitely not there yet, right? True, but we have started the precursor to this imaginary, possibly very real event, and it's happening today. We have OpenAI and its AI application, ChatGPT, making its way into the court in several different surprising ways. All right, I got you. And and yeah, I mean, gosh, this was all bound to happen, right? Yeah, that day we knew it was coming. It's here. OpenAI goes to court. It's the people versus OpenAI. Hey, uh, that's actually a pretty good episode title. So I'm going to make note of that. <laughs> well, you're welcome on that. <laughs> all right, well, let's roll the intro and then we'll get into it. Welcome to Rocketship.fm. Rocketship FM is produced in partnership with Product Collective. We are your hosts, Michael Saka. And I'm Mike Belsito. But first, a quick break to thank our sponsors. As AI continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation we can't ignore. AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. HackerOne employs over 2 million ethical hackers, and 750 of them specialize in prompt hacking and other AI security and testing. So HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large company, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI for more. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live small group cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training kicking off 
in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us, go to gigantic.is, that's gigantic.is, and save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. Okay, so we've got a couple stories to go through today. But the first one, it's kind of wild. Yeah, to be honest, this is not how I thought OpenAI would have been sued early on. Yeah, I definitely thought it would have been like the content creators, the photographers, the writers. And, you know, we will talk about that. But I I thought it was going to be them that were going to bring all of the lawsuits against OpenAI. Well, it's kind of obvious when you think about it, though, right? Okay, I guess that's true. So OpenAI has been hit with what appears to be the first defamation lawsuit responding to false information generated by ChatGPT. So yeah, a radio host in Georgia, Mark Walters, he's actually suing the company after ChatGPT stated that Walters had been accused of defrauding and embezzling funds from a nonprofit organization. The system generated the information in response to a request from a third party, a journalist named Fred Real. Walters' case was filed on June 5th in Georgia Superior Court of Gwinnett County, and he's seeking an unspecified monetary damage amount from OpenAI. What allegedly happened was Fred Real, the editor-in-chief of the magazine, Amoland, was researching the real-life federal court case, uh, Second Amendment Foundation versus Ferguson, when ChatGPT produced the fake legal complaint against Walters, the host of a pro-gun radio show, and that is according to the complaint. Yeah, Real asked ChatGPT to essentially summarize the Ferguson case, which involves allegations that Washington State Attorney General Robert Ferguson is abusing his power by chilling the activity of the Second Amendment Foundation. The chatbot produced a summary saying the Foundation's founder, Alan Gottlieb, was suing Walters for embezzling money as the organization's treasurer and chief financial officer. But Walters has never been employed by the foundation, and the embezzlement lawsuit, including the case number, is a complete fabrication, according to the defamation lawsuit. To essentially make things up, uh, and, and it's crazy to think how many of these hallucinations can pop up on places where ChatGPT is integrated, like the Bing search engine, for example. The case is notable given widespread complaints about false information generated by ChatGPT and other chatbots. These systems have no reliable way to distinguish fact from fiction. And when asked for information, particularly if asked to confirm something the questioner suggests is true, they frequently invent dates, facts, and figures. Usually these fabrications do nothing more than mislead users or waste their time. But cases are beginning to emerge of such errors causing harm. This includes a professor that's threatening to flunk his class after ChatGPT claimed his students used AI to write their essays, just like we discussed a couple weeks ago. OpenAI includes a small disclaimer on ChatGPT's homepage warning that the system may occasionally generate incorrect information. But the company also presents ChatGPT as a source of reliable data, describing the system in ad copy as ways to 
get answers and learn something new. OpenAI's own CEO, Sam Altman, has said on numerous occasions that he prefers learning new information from ChatGPT than from books. It's not clear, though, whether or not there is legal precedent to hold a company responsible for AI systems generating false or defamatory information or whether this particular case has substantial merit. But shouldn't it bear some responsibility? I mean, they're training the algorithm, they're presenting the data as fact, and whether they have that disclaimer or not, the system says it's fact. If that information is then ruining people's reputations, their employability. I mean, I don't know who's to say if this guy's reputation was already ruined in the first place. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, he is the host of Armed American Radio, but. Which is exactly what you might think it is. It's a pro-gun propaganda show. Uh, I'm sure he, he may have stretched the truth himself several times, but. Hey, look, regardless of how imperfect a case like this one is, it's an interesting milestone as humans and AI generated misinformation converge in court for maybe the very first time. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, traditionally, companies have been able to get out of lawsuits like this because in Section 230, it shields Internet firms from legal liability um, for information produced by third parties and hosted on their platforms. That's like all of the social media companies hide behind this. But AI systems, they're a bit different. They actually generate the information. It's not generated by a third party and posted. They're actually generating the content and presenting it themselves on their platform. Yeah, this is where platforms like Twitter, Facebook, even Google, they've been able to skirt liability because, like you said, they're, they're just hosting the content. They're not generating it different than ChatGPT. And this is where the defamation lawsuit filed by Walters in Georgia could test this framework. So honestly, there's probably not much of a case here. At least I don't believe there is. There's no damages. It's not even clear how the libelous material was produced since ChatGPT can't read a PDF without the use of third-party integrations. But it's interesting to see how this and similar lawsuits will play out. And it's important for us as product people to be aware of the potential implications and risk that we open our companies up to if we haphazardly integrate some of these LLMs into our products. Really interesting stuff. Um, and okay, we have another story about the legality of AI reusing other people's code. We're gonna talk about that right when we get back from a short break. Okay, before the break, we were discussing the Walters versus OpenAI case where Mark Walters, a right-wing radio host, is suing ChatGPT for defamation because of the content it apparently produced about him that stated that he embezzled funds from a nonprofit organization when asked to summarize a court document. And he, in fact, to be very clear, was never accused or found guilty of embezzling funds, didn't even work for that nonprofit organization that it referenced. <laughs> Right. This information, it was never published. It didn't actually damage it. In fact, I never would have heard about it if, if this lawsuit didn't come up. But regardless of this was a publicity stunt or um, a serious accusation, we're going to find out from the courts how they're interpreting uh, this programmatically generated content by artificial intelligence. And what risks that we then open ourselves up to when we integrate and release applications that rely on a large language model like ChatGPT. But it's not just information people are trying to hold OpenAI accountable for. Now it's their reuse of code. It's actually the first legal attack on a design technique called AI training, which is a way of building artificial intelligence that's poised to remake the tech industry. 
Recently, attorneys from Microsoft, GitHub, and the Artificial Intelligence Research Laboratory, OpenAI, asked a federal judge to dismiss a class action filed on behalf of four unnamed coders over the paid service Copilot, which uses AI to suggest code to its users. But the judge refused and is allowing the case to move forward. Remember, GitHub is owned by Microsoft in the same way that Creative Commons allows photos to be shared, but only under certain conditions by crediting the photographer. Code on GitHub typically comes with licensing agreements, often mandating that credit be given to the author of the code. So now a handful of unnamed coders are suing GitHub's Copilot, which charges users $100 per year, by saying it violates the open source licensing by not crediting the authors of the source code that the AIs learned from. The complaint puts forward a number of causes of action, including breach of contract for the open source license violations, fraud, unjust enrichment, and unfair competition. The filing states, Copilot ignores, violates, and removes the licenses offered by thousands, possibly millions of software developers, thereby accomplishing software piracy in an unprecedented scale. Copilot's goal is to replace a huge swath of open source by taking it and keeping it inside a GitHub-controlled paywall. It violates the licenses that open source programmers choose and monetizes their code despite GitHub's pledge never to do so. But in their motion to dismiss the lawsuit, Microsoft and GitHub argued just the opposite, that Copilot is very much in keeping with the spirit of open source information sharing. They said that Copilot withdraws nothing from the body of open source code available to the public. Rather, Copilot helps developers write code by generating suggestions based on what it had learned from the entire body of knowledge gleaned from public code. In doing so, Copilot advances the very values of learning, understanding, and collaboration that animate the open source ethic. With their demand for an injunction and a multi-billion dollar windfall in connection with software that they willingly share as open source, it's the plaintiffs, they say, who seek to undermine those open source principles and to stop significant advancements in collaboration and progress. The lawsuit is the first that is going to challenge the training data sets used by companies like OpenAI and many other LLMs that leverage copywritten material to train their models. Personally, I think it's a company's duty to credit those whose work they use to train these LLMs. There should be some compensation model put in place that allows them to share the upside in the reuse of their work, much like music when songs are covered or remixed. It's inconvenient, it could slow down progress, but it's an important step to ensure that all the value produced by humans isn't leveraged and monetized by only a few companies like Microsoft, Google, Amazon, and Meta. Matthew Broderick, one of the plaintiff's attorneys, not the Broadway star, at least I'm assuming not the Broadway star. Um, he's also a coder and a self-described open source programmer and member of the open source community. And he sought to reframe the issue. And here we've used AI to recreate this courtroom scene. So this is not Matthew Broderick. Um, it's, it's also not Ferris Bueller. Um, but anyway, this is not even the judge's voice. This is the real exchange that they had though. When the AI trains, it's not just reading, it's copying. What's being imprinted on the neural network is copying. When you, as a user, query it, it goes through all the data. And then the judge asked, Does the act of copying it onto the neural network violate any of the GitHub licenses? Yes, the suggested code's licenses all contain attribution requirements. Now this lawsuit is among the first to test the legal boundaries of how the current crop of artificial intelligence works by scraping available information and creating a sort of composite out of material judges to be reliable or commonly used. Should the suit prove successful, it could put the brakes on the development of such software. Again, 
Whether we're excited by this technology or scared of it, it's important to be aware of these legal advancements as we as product people, product leaders, product managers are responsible for integrating this technology into our current applications. And there could be real consequences if those integrations are found to violate copyright or even decency laws. Okay, we'll be right back with one more story of OpenAI in the courtroom. Okay, we're back with one final story. Here's a Fox News segment to kick us off. Lawyers in New York are under fire for citing fake court cases created using the ChatGPT app. AI is becoming more popular amongst lawyers, and generally a lot of professions are using it. Breaking down what happened with the New York lawyers and the influx of ChatGPT in our workplaces. So the case involved a man named Roberto Mata who had sued the airline Avianca, claiming he was injured when a metal serving cart struck his knee during an August 2019 flight from El Salvador to New York. Avianca asked Judge Castile to dismiss the lawsuit because the statute of limitations had expired. But Mata's lawyer responded with a 10-page brief citing more than a half dozen court decisions with names like Martinez versus Delta Airlines, Zuckerman versus Korean Airlines, Vargas versus China Southern Airlines in support of their argument that the suit should be allowed to proceed. There was just one hitch. Not one, not the airline's lawyers, not even the judge himself could find the decisions or the quotations cited and summarized in the brief. Yeah, and that's because these cases were not real. They were ChatGPT hallucinations. Here's another clip from the Breaking Points YouTube channel on the case. The lawsuit was written by a judge, or sorry, by a lawyer who actually used ChatGPT. And in his brief around the lawsuit, cited, quote, a dozen relevant decisions. All of those decisions, however, actually did, did, could not find the decisions or the quotations cited or that were summarized. In other words, they were completely invented by ChatGPT. And the lawyer who actually created the brief had to come before the judge and issue an affidavit saying that he had used ChatGP to do all of his legal research, which he now has to admit is, quote, a source that has revealed itself to be unreliable. Uh, you yeah, think? you think? Well, it is funny, though, because there are quite a few tech bros, you know, who are online being like, the legal profession is dead. ChatGPT can pass an MCAT exam. ChatGPT can pass a legal a brief or what all that. It's like, yeah, well, you know what else they have to deal with in the medical field? It's called liability. And uh, if yeah. you, let's say you're right 99% of the time. Well, if you get it wrong 1% of the time, then what? Has Microsoft now just opened itself up to a multi-billion dollar lawsuit? And at scale, yeah. 1% is actually a lot of people. So, Think about this yeah. lawyer right. who's now in the New York Times yeah. written up for like this moron just like outsourced all his work to ChatGPT and didn't fact check any of it. Roberta Mata's lawyer, Stephen Schwartz, who has been practicing law in New York for 30 years, said in a declaration filed with the judge this week that he had learned about ChatGPT from his college-aged children and from articles, but he had never used it professionally before this. He thought it was a more powerful search engine. He had to stand in front of the judge and admit that he didn't actually look up any of the cases. He simply asked ChatGPT if they were real. And each time he asked ChatGPT, it would respond, according to the filings, that yes, it's a real case and can be found in reputable legal databases, which of course was not true. So again, this may pose another real problem for Microsoft and other large language models. Let's go back to that Fox News segment featuring Bloomberg Law reporter, Justin Wise. 
Of course, this is an extreme example, but uh, especially as it relates to uh, the legal profession, which I uh, write about, I think um, when I was speaking with a lot of leaders and experts in this field, it um, was an example of a, a larger story of, of the advantages and potential drawbacks of this new uh, technology and how um, we're going to probably be navigating over the next couple of years how we can use it in, in uh, good ways and the ways in which it needs to be regulated. Regulated. I think uh, regulation, of course, is going to be a, um, a really interesting um, storyline to keep to follow as it relates to this, because, as you mentioned, it's it's very powerful. It can do a lot of things to help um, lawyers and a lot of different white collar professionals. Um, so it's a matter of yeah. figuring out how the right ways to use it. Well, that will wrap us up for the day. Remember, be careful out there. If you want to learn more about how companies are successfully and safely integrating AI into their marketing efforts, we actually have a course for that over on Gigantic, uh, gigantic.is. If you're interested, definitely check that out. Otherwise, for Mike Belsito, I'm Michael Saka, and this is Rocketship.fm. Thank you so much for listening to Rocketship.fm. It is your support that keeps the show going. If you can, take a second and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. It helps out the show so much. We're also part of the Podglomerate Network. And if you'd like to listen to more great shows from the Podglomerate, go to thepodglomerate.com to see the full show listings. Rocketship.fm is produced in partnership with Product Collective, a community for product people. Go to productcollective.com and get access to our weekly newsletter, live video interviews, Slack community, product job board, and a whole lot more. Again, just go to productcollective.com.